Lockdown. Our daily podcast to keep you sane during the chaos. 21 days, 21 professionals. Plus 14. 35 days, 35 professionals. To keep you sane during the lockdown extended edition. Hello and welcome back to day 24 of our podcast and day 24 of lockdown. My name is Kirsten Farquharson and with me, the incredible Danielle Dutoy. Today we have a wonderful guest. Her name is Marilyn Reed. She is a Christian counselor and family coach. She has specialized in marriage and family with a master's degree in that field and also has an undergraduate degree in education and theology. Her heart is for relationships and for people to enjoy all of the resources that are available to them as they embrace loving bonds that bring healing. Marilyn, it is such a joy to have you with us today. And thanks, Kirsten. Marilyn, it's such a pleasure to have you on our show. We are so honored that you are here. Thank you so, so much. We wanted to start off by asking if you could explain a bit about emotional regulation and about what it is. So simply put, emotional regulation is the ability that each of us has to influence our emotions. And here it's really important to understand that word influence. Our emotions are not just something that we can will into submission. And I love the way a guy called Dan Allender puts it. He's got a master's in a master's degree in divinity and a PhD in counseling psychology. And he explains it in a magnificent book called Cry of the Soul. And he says that we cannot assume to directly alter our emotions by just willing them to change. In other words, it's really naive to think that when we're angry, we can just say to ourselves, stop being angry, stop being angry. Or if we're chatting to someone that we think that they can will their emotions to change at a moment's notice. I love Allender's description. He says that struggling with our emotions is not a matter of solving problems with just a little bit more know-how. We're not machines that can be repaired through a series of steps. We are relational beings who are transformed by the mystery of relationship. And this is where that concept that Susan Johnson speaks about in emotion-focused therapy comes into play. It's about connecting to the heart of a person with responsiveness, which creates a loving bond. And this is what we forget so often in our conversations, that it's in relationship that healing occurs, and of course, it's in relationship that damage occurs. And it's so often in our conversations that we are unable to apply emotional regulation. And instead of holding our emotions, we do damage to the people that we're talking to, especially the people that are really important to us, where instead of engaging in emotions like gentleness, compassion, patience, kindness, love, which is what we all need more of in our conversations to create loving bonds, instead this thing called physiological flooding occurs, which creates some damage. I think that comment on connecting to the heart of a person with responsiveness is so important. And just like you said, relationship, we can have both healing and damage. And with that, you spoke on physiological flooding. Could you tell us a little bit more about what physiological flooding is and how does this impact on our relationships? So it's a wonderful concept to understand flooding because when we understand flooding, we realize that it's not the person that is the problem in the relationship, 
but rather sort of a physiological condition that occurs in our conversations. And flooding is when our thinking brain gets stuck and our sympathetic nervous system goes into action. It prepares us for battle or for a flight. And most of us know it as the fight, flight, freeze response. And this is an excellent response when we are under immediate threat and we need an increase of cortisol or adrenaline to flood into our system if we are being attacked by an elephant. The problem is that this happens in our conversations with people that we love dearly. And it directs those conversations when instead of loving well with affirmation and encouragement and everything that is needed for connection and a loving bond, we either become more like porcupines or tortoises, very prickly and shooting out our quills in defense mode, or we go into our shells and hide away. I was chatting to someone the other day and they described their porcupine response to me as losing all sense of the impact of their words and the destruction that those words were, were causing. And the feeling that they had in the moment was actually to intentionally hurt the person on the other side, which often happens when, when we are flooded. And this was an incredibly honest response, an honest description of what flooding looks like when we're in a heated conversation. Some people find that they become prosecutors in these moments. And it's really important to understand that our allegations and our accusations are not based on a reasonable brain when flooding occurs. Gottman, Julie Gottman and John Gottman have given us 40 years of evidence-based research on relationships. And Julie Gottman refers to flooding as that flip your lid response where people literally can't think. They feel attack, they hear attack, and they see attack. And generally in those moments, we respond as if we are under attack, either by going into hiding all alone in what we think is a safe place, that's the tortoise, or by attacking the person that, that we are in direct contact with, and that's the porcupine. Marilyn, I love what Gottman says, that saying, that flip your lid. I think it so beautifully describes that feeling of being emotionally flooded. When somebody is in the porcupine or tortoise response, what coping mechanisms can they use to manage this physiological, I knew I was going to struggle with this word, this physiological <laughs> flooding? <laughs> so advice for these moments is varied and a lot of research uh, Research suggests that we can think of calm moments or engage in mindfulness or breathing techniques. And all of those are helpful if it works for you. I personally think that it's worth trying a varied responses with a, a more of an eclectic approach where we think about our thinking, we feel our feeling, we take cognizance of our physiological state, and especially we observe what our natural behavioral responses are. One of the relational suggestions from Gottman is that we think of all the good memories that we have with our person. Now, this does not work for everyone because sometimes with flooding, every good moment or every good memory just seems to fly out the window. And it's very difficult in those moments to remember the good stuff. And the reality is we don't even want to remember good stuff. Our bodies are in alert mode and they've taken on a threat response, which is remember, it's very difficult to just will that to change. So what I've found that works well with most of us is to first of all acknowledge, to recognize that we are flooding. I sometimes say to myself here, yeah, I'm flooding. And if you're in a relationship with somebody that, that has learned this language with you and is a safe person, it's really helpful to say out loud, I'm flooding or I'm having a moment where I'm feeling overwhelmed because 
that aspect of knowing ourselves is so important for emotional growth. And the truth is that we all feel flooding differently. Some, some people I chat to feel it in their stomach, others feel it in their chest. Uh, you can almost have an accelerated heart rate. Some people that I know go, go hot in the moment, you'll see redness. Um, others feel it on their skin, sort of their hair stands up. And it's important for us to get to know ourselves and begin to recognize what flooding feels like for ourselves personally, so that when it happens, we can recognize it, acknowledge it, and name it. Because the first step really is to recognize it, and naming it helps us tremendously. And then if you look at it from a physiological standpoint, it takes about 20 or 30 minutes for our bodies to return to their normal state. And really, this is about creating a bit of a gap between feeling the feeling and responding to the feeling. You see, there's a difference between feeling an uncomfortable emotion and then acting out that emotion as an automated response. And so a time out usually works best. And then what's really, really important is to come back and chat and connect to express love to the person that has been in the conversation when the flooding occurs. And this is where emotional regulation comes into play because it's really easy for us just to stay in what is called our natural default methods of attack or methods of hiding. We can stay withdrawn um, or we can keep attacking when we come back in conversation. And this is where regulation is so important as it refers to what we do with our emotions and how we express them. So when we come back and our bodies have returned to a normal balance and we're not feeling that crazy flooding, that's when we choose which emotion we want to engage in. I love the origin of the word emotion. It comes from a Latin word, which means to move. We are moved by emotion. And once flooding is over, we can choose which emotion we will allow to move us. We can choose grace, we can choose empathy, we can choose gentleness, we can choose patience, we can choose compassion. And this is where our will to choose comes into play. The interesting thing that I've learned about emotional regulation is that it can be improved as it is practiced. And for many of us, we weren't raised in environments, in environments, in family environments where the skill was taught or even modeled. So we might not have learned emotional regulation as children. And the great news is that as adults, it's never too late to start. This is obviously a personal choice and we can grow in our understanding of ourselves and we can grow our emotional intelligence, which is really just our capacity to be aware of our emotions, to express them well, and to handle our um, personal relationships with empathy. Wow, Marilyn, that emphasis on acknowledgement and actually just describing the words I'm flooding is going to be really impactful for listeners. I loved what you said on emotion and that word move, and just the emphasis on a choice to respond in a way that is going to be helpful and I think that brings a lot of hope knowing that you know if it's practiced it can actually change. Why would you say emotional regulation is so important? That is a great question. I, I think emotional regulation is important because people are important. People have value and we need to show them value and it's in our conversations that we can also show people value. Um, people make lots of mistakes, and if we are looking for errors or flaws in people, we will always be able to find them. Perception is powerful, and as human beings, we are flawed. We all make mistakes. Some of those mistakes we make intentionally, 
and some of them we make unintentionally. And as soon as we start removing the focus of the problem in the relationship on the person, and rather up our skill set for relationship while understanding that each of us is just muddling through, we're all just learning along the way, it really helps us with engaging in compassion and empathy. And the beautiful byproduct of all of this is that we feel better internally when we treat people better. It's as if we're wired for relationship and without healthy relationships, we, we actually just starve ourselves. I love what Pearl Buck said. She's a Pulitzer Prize winner. And she said, a person's heart withers if it does not respond to another's heart. To another's heart. And how true that is. Our hearts wither if we don't answer the call of another's heart. Wow, what an incredible quote. How powerful. And you're so right. People are so incredibly valuable. And it is often the first thing that is forgotten because of the mistakes that, that either we make or that others make against us. And the first thing that we forget is our value. So thank you so much for, for highlighting that. Marilyn, what is your take-home piece of advice for listeners during this lockdown period? That is a very big question. Uh, I think that first of all, it would be to give each of ourselves permission to grieve what we have lost and to accept the uncertainty of what we can't control. And then to engage in the next process of saying, what, what do I have control over? And that is engaging in this thing called self-control where we can, which has to do with emotional regulation and our personal responses to the situation. And then definitely uh, to lean into gentleness and grace, not just with other people, but especially with ourselves. You know, this is the first time that we're doing something like this and first times are not easy. And then definitely if you're struggling to ask for help, if you need help. In times of change and adjustment, we often need some help to maintain a relatively stable psychological and physical functioning under adverse conditions. So reaching out is really important, even if your tendency is to go into hiding as the tortoise might do under threat. What an empowering message for people filled with so much wisdom, acknowledging what we have lost, but also providing a space of hope and choosing to respond in a way that's different. Thank you so much, Marilyn, for providing such insights, providing such wisdom and providing such a message filled with light in a space that feels very dark for a lot of people at the moment. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely, Danny. I could not agree more. Thank you so much, Marilyn. You know, you, we all need help leaning into gentleness and grace, like you say. And thank you so much for bringing yours. It's been such an honor. Thank you. For those of you that want to contact Marilyn to reach out to, or to book an online session, you can contact her on Marilyn R, that's M-A-R-I-L-Y-N-R at TiVo, T-E-V-O dot C-O dot Z-A. So that's it for us. We will see you next time on How to Mental Health Lockdown Edition. Stay sane, everybody. We'll check in later. See you soon.